Welcome to episode 252 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. Today, we're talking about immigration and the housing supply shortage. Enjoy. How you doing? I'm super fantastic. Excellent. Although it's September 11th, may we take a moment of silence. You're technically recording this on a different day, so that's almost like sacrilegious to do something like that, because it's not on the right day. Well, uh, our thoughts and prayers to everybody that um, was affected by this day. How many years ago now? 20... I don't know what year is. Was it 2001? Two or one? 2001. Was so 22 one? years ago. That's crazy. I want to make a trip ago. to New York. I've been talking about it for a while. I did a road trip uh, with my buddy Dan back in, I don't even know what year that was, but we uh, we took my Prius. You remember I had a Prius for yeah, a while? Yeah, I remember when you did the road trip. And uh, we stayed in Newark and then... We ended up staying right downtown Manhattan because we were in Newark. And I'm like, ah, oh, this sucks. Let's let's get into it. And we ended up staying right down like a block from, um, what's the square? Central. Central. No, no. not Central. No. You're thinking Central, Central Park. Central Park or Central Station. Uh, right, like right near Madison Square Garden there. Anyways, um, we went and saw the Blue Jays play at um, one of the last games of the old Yankee Stadium. Cool. That'd be fun. That Was Was that a coincidence or you had? No, we planned that. Okay. We planned that, definitely. Uh, Before we get into today's topic, can I go on a little rant? Sure. Totally off topic from the today's podcast. Okay. How many fucking offers are we going to get? They're not even offers. So as you know, we've got quite a few listings for lease. Yes. Well, that that ties into today's conversation with affordability and well, not where I'm options. going with this topic. What I'm speaking to all these realtors now. Yes. That are sending us these long-winded emails with every attachment. Po- Great, you're sending us details about your client. That's awesome. You have credit report, you have job letter, you've got the rental application. You're sending us all this stuff with this beautiful email. It sounds like a compliment more than a rant. They haven't even seen the fucking place. They're not making an offer. They're asking us. Oh, I see. There's no offer attached. No offer. Just supporting documents. Would you consider this person? and, And this email says, and how many of these you get every month? Yeah. And I got one on the weekend, which pissed me right off because, first of all, we find out that the email is just a copy and paste. So how many times have you sent out this email to other agents? But the email says, basically, dear Ariel, my clients are interested in X and X property. Here's a little bit about my clients. Here are all their supporting documents. We've lost out on some other leases and don't want to waste our time if your landlords are not going to consider their application. So first of all, we have no idea, 
they first of all they've never been to the place they don't even know if they're actually gonna gonna like it they're going based on photos two we don't know what their offer might even be don't know how much they're offering don't know when they want to take possession don't know any of those kind of details but what pissed me off is that they don't want to waste their time but want us to waste our time reviewing all this bullshit without even having an offer without them even going to see the damn place yeah i don't see i mean i'm i'm and people might and and realtors certainly will debate me on this because yeah. Oh, we just, you know, this is com- well, that's I what was, I get. Oh, it's, here, this is common practice. Oh, in Brampton, that's how we do it. Uh, well, here, hear me out for a second. So there are, I was chatting with Steve Cicchetto about this recently because he was trying to help somebody, I can't remember where, but a particular property where it was a property management company handling the review of applications and they didn't want an offer with the application. They just wanted to review the person and if they were okay with the person, then they would send the offer to the person. So there's different people that run different processes yeah, you but, know, in different okay, ways. Fine. I haven't come across that, but fine. Yes. Everybody can run their business differently. First of all, in our listing, it says specifically yeah. in the broker re- remarks, documents will not be reviewed if incomplete and without supporting documents and offer and offer very specifically very specifically it's not it confusing says you send it's very clear supporting documents with an offer period well when i was away so i was away recently for um i think it was when i was at the cottage so i was i was up north for a week and before i had left i was handling applications that were coming in on one of the listings that i'm handling so I was reviewing them and one particular agent, we declined the application. And then I saw come through our email while I was away. She resubmitted the application for the same people. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And clearly just mass sending out this email. She didn't even know that she sent it before. Well, she, didn't she reply and say, which property is this for? Yes. Like she didn't even know what she was doing. So... You know, it's it's frustrating for many people. It's frustrating for tenants but because it's hard to get a rental property. It's very challenging to get approved. You're in a very competitive market. Most of these people have little to no income because they're immigrants. They're coming here with no jobs. Um, they might have some money in their bank account, which is what they're using for rent. But a lot of landlords won't consider that. So it's a lot of landlords won't consider it if the presentation of that prospective tenant isn't proper. Sure. I mean, even if it is proper, a lot of landlords won't consider it because they may have money in their bank, but they've got no credit history. I wonder. They've got no job. If these prospective tenants even know that their realtor is, like you said about this other lady, she didn't even know which property we were referring to. And she had actually sent an offer. So maybe they get accepted on two. Oh, shit. But where there's no offer, so like this instance on the weekend, I wonder right. if the tenant even knows that their agent is just blindly sending. Well, we talked about that, the privacy factor. Right. All like that. all of a sudden now I've got your credit information. I've got your SIN number. I've got your driver's license. I got where you work, where you live, your kids' names, their age. Like, pfft. Yeah. 
I got everything on you. And right. you didn't even make an offer and you didn't even see the place. Right. So who am I to receive all this stuff? Yeah. Anyways, a little fucking rant because I, you know, it. this industry doesn't ever cease to amaze me because there's a lot of stupidity in it. And it seems like a lot of it is in the leasing part of the industry at the moment. Yeah, well, then that's because a lot of the uh, more professional quality agents won't often get involved in the, the rental aspect of things because yeah. there's not financially, it's not overly rewarding unless you're really hustling. Yeah, good producing realtors don't don't really do leases. You know, the one time, the one thing for me that is always a a big factor in helping me, helping to sell me on a tenant. I feel fat today. I ate a shawarma plate at 10 o'clock at night last night. Oh, geez. I was starving and I door dashed it. The one thing that always helps me um, is if the tenant is being represented by somebody that knows them personally, especially if they've helped them previously yeah. and you can, you can see that you can corroborate their story. You have to corro by, corroborate by pulling up Here we the go with that word again. other listings, the old listings and seeing their, that agent's name yes. attached to it. That's always a big oh, factor. I've also been in the position where a realtor will say, oh yeah, this is, a friend of mine, or I know them, they're a good family. And no, they you, no, there you can always. They have no past relationship no, whatsoever. You can always. It's a horseshit story. You can almost always figure that out. But if there's, you know, if there's a way to confirm it, that's helpful. So if you're a tenant and you're struggling to find a place to rent and you happen to know of somebody personally, that could be a way to help you, you know, give you a leg up in the negotiations. Just saying. Instead of going direct. Go direct. Let's hire, get into the topic. Somebody. All right. So today's discussion, you brought up the conversation earlier about immigration and the lofty goals that the government has for the number of new immigrant, immigrants well, the reason they want I want, to bring in. Yeah. The reason I wanted to talk about this is because this is a consistent question that we get all the time. How's the market? What do you think about what is going to happen in the market? And on the weekend, I had a conversation with a client where the conversation kept going back to immigration. Because if we forecast whether it's mortgage rates, you know, now being at a high and forecasting that in two or three years, it'll be down substantially from what it currently is. We're thinking, we're hoping. So that's going to play a factor in demand. And there's not enough supply. Now you have more people moving into the area. Yeah. Adding to supply issues. So you're going to have low supply that isn't changing much. I think you want to touch on that conversation, part of the conversation. And then we have demand that's going to continually increase. What was the stat? 500,000 immigrants a year? I think you were mentioning that's the goal. 500,000 immigrants a year to Canada by 2025. So in the next year and a half-ish, we're going to start seeing 500,000 new people to Canada every year. And that number is going to climb. 
Now, new immigrants. Yeah. Need some, you know, they're not moving to whatever, you know, middle of nowhere, no transportation, no jobs. They're moving to, in our case, the GTA. Well, and one of the problems is, and it's funny though, because a lot of people were saying, oh, immigration is the, is driving the real estate market. And it is to a degree because it's supply and demand is, the, you know, the biggest variable overall. But in, and then interest rates increased and affected things. So it's mm-hmm. clear, you know, mm-hmm. we hadn't had that variable change. Yeah. So it's, it's clear that it's a combination of the two, affordability, obviously, and supply and demand. But the way it's affected the market now is um, they're building fewer homes. Developers are sitting on land, in many cases trying to offload land. I was, we were having a, I was having a conversation recently with Bill Miller, the owner of Century 21 Miller that we, are, uh, that we work with. Or, or, we're within their brokerage. Our brokerage, our brokerage. <laughs> and uh, Bill, Bill, Bill is very immersed in the commercial industry and knows a lot of people, developers, builders, whatever. And he's getting calls from people, builders that are trying to sell land, and saying, "Hey, you know, Bill, do you know anybody that would be interested yeah. in X Y Z property?" And his response has always been, as of late, um, "No, I won't bother calling them because I know their answer will be that they'll just buy it from the bank." And that's what's happening. We're seeing a lot of commercial properties and mm-hmm. developments uh, not being developed and land being sold and properties being sold power of sale. Um, but the problem is that they're not building homes. More people are coming. And it's affected the rental market. Rental prices have gone crazy. Mm-hmm. Like their basement apartments now are much easier to find. But you're paying, you know, for a two-bedroom basement apartment, you're 2000 bucks or more now. Yeah. Uh, whereas before you could, you could get a townhouse for that. Not too long ago. Um, so once the rates come down and people start to build again, then, you know, most of these immigrants can't afford to buy houses. They need rentals. So that's when the, you know, you're going to get people start to buy rental properties again. Whereas right now we have a lot of private owners that have privately owned properties they're renting out. They're selling them because they can't afford to carry them anymore. Do you think Tremaine Road? Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, in Milton, Tremaine Road is kind of the west barrier or boundary of what's urban Milton. Right. Most of beyond that is green space. Under the conservation, Mm -hmm. primarily because of the escarpment. Do you think that's going to be opened up over the next five to 10 years for um, potential build I, of? Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, there's been a lot of controversy around that where um, Doug Ford is trying to, I don't know where we're at with it now, but he was trying to approve uh, converting much of the protected land to be buildable. And there was a lot of pushback on that. Um, which I think is a reasonable thing, you know, within reason, like you're just trying to remove barriers to allow for more houses to be built. Like the, the government's not here building houses. They're just involved in the process of building houses and approvals. So what's your ultimate, if, if you had the crystal ball, 
what do you think is going to happen now into 2025, 2026, with a half million people moving into Canada and the growth that we're going to see in population in Ontario, for sure. Well, what what do you think happens? Well, they so here there's a report that calls on uh, governments and industry people to create a feasible plan to build 1.5 million homes by 2031. Right. So eight there's years a, away. There's now in a six year gap. Yeah. Between. So there's there's an extra three million people that live in the country where homes haven't been built for these right. people to live in. But to in, make matters in a even where there's already a shortage, more unrealistic. 1.5 million homes in well, this is based on a decade. This is um, news that's coming out later, but other factors as well. But in in his historically, the highest number of homes ever built in a ten year period is 850 thousand. Seven seven hundred and fifty is more common, but they want almost double that, the maximum, in the next ten years. And meanwhile, things are at a halt. Right? Like things are not moving. So I I think that, you know, in the next couple of years, interest rates hopefully and I imagine realistic will start to come down a little bit. I don't think it's gonna be dramatic. We're not gonna get back to the one percent and two percent. No. no, no, no. Um but nothing's gonna be built for the next couple of years, very little. We're gonna see uh a lot more pressure to reach that goal. I in fact just to touch on that i think that a lot of projects were, were that were planned and even sold won't end up being built oh for sure we're already seeing some of that yeah well i was chatting with uh kingsgate construction they're uh they were friends of ours and i was chatting with them recently john and john told me that a lot of their plans for people that were building have put things on hold indefinitely because right. of the affordability from construction costs to carrying costs, interest rates, it's just not feasible anymore. Um, I wonder if we could get some numbers from them where we compare pre-COVID prices of building a custom home or doing a, you know, big renovation to today's prices. I would say it's probably 30 to 40% higher right now. Probably. I guess. I don't know. Well, there's lots of people selling for different reasons. My sister-in-law, Erin, uh, she helped someone buy a really nice cottage recently. And um, the, the, buy, the sellers of that uh, were selling. It was their dream home. They built their dream home. But they built it over the course of this change in the market and interest rates. Right. And, you know, probably not affordable anymore. So we're seeing a lot of that. Interesting. And I, in the last couple of weeks, I've had phone calls from two clients of properties that we manage, uh, properties that I helped them purchase two to three years ago. And affordability is an issue. One of them went from paying twenty five, twenty six hundred bucks a month in carrying costs to four thousand, and the rent in the beginning was just enough to cover. Actually, it was just shy of covering it. It was like twenty five. The rent on it is around twenty five hundred. Right. So now they're out of pocket every month you know, 1500 bucks. Yeah. So it becomes less manageable. So and, rental, and, rental properties are coming off the market, which is then it's a big cycle, which is right. then affecting rental markets right. because there's fewer houses to rent. Right. 
I was shopping yesterday at Lowe's and picking up some stuff for one of our properties. And there were these two ladies in the same aisle chatting. And one of them was obviously preparing to move based on, you know, me eavesdropping. And I got involved in that conversation a little bit. And she's like, yeah, I'm moving out on my own. And the only places I could afford were like, I don't know where she's moving, somewhere near Simcoe in the middle of nothing mm. because she found a nice basement apartment for $1,400 a month. But she had to go that far. Right. To, to get that, she said she was looking in the, I was in Burlington, looking in the Burlington area and the cheapest she could find was like $21, $2,200 a month for a basement apartment. Yeah. And it made it unaffordable for her. So she's moving an hour and a half north. But Thank then we, you know... Two episodes ago, I don't remember, we talked about rental properties in Huntsville and that they don't exist. Yeah. You go further out, there's <coughs> there's fewer fewer investors in, in areas like that. So it's this big Well, the cycle savings of, is minimal too, like well, relative to the, the value of the property. Right. And we'll see. I don't know where the market's going to go, but I, you know, I see that there's a lot of indicators that would convince me to think that uh, we're going to get again into a serious shortage again, right? And that will stimulate the market, increasing prices. And I think that is going to happen in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And then I think then and only then will the government finally realize that although interest rates do affect it you know, slows things down. It just delays the inevitable, which is the supply and demand issue. So instead of messing around with the interest rates and trying to use that to combat uh, inflation, which is driven very much by the real estate industry in our country, they need to focus their efforts more on trying to increase inventory, which will take a while. You won't see it in the next decade, maybe towards the end of it. Maybe. Like the government needs to get more involved in trying to encourage builders, not discourage them with these rates. Like they're, they're just causing more problems. Yeah. And even if it becomes tax incentives or kickbacks or whatever. Yeah. Or government built housing, but nicely done. I don't understand why the Canadian government doesn't own a lot of rental It's all private. Yeah. Like, why aren't they building rental buildings everywhere? You'd think every municipality. You know how profitable it would be for them? Yeah. And solve the issue of affordable housing at the same time? Well, I think, I mean, I don't, I've not put much thought into that, but government housing has a bad rap in terms of 
So you brand it differently than calling it government no, housing. Know. Nobody <laughs> wants to walk around saying, where do you live? Oh, you live yeah. in the government housing. Yeah. No, no, I know. I like agree. Everybody knows in the GTA where those areas are, right? You need a, Ian, you know a, the Oak, the ones in Oakville? You know which ones I'm talking about? Or if they just about? made it easier for developers. Like, yeah, you can put a 20-story building here. Go for it. You right. know, and municipalities use their, their uh, judgment and just make the process easier to build and free up some space to build more places. I think that's all that's got to happen. Or we just start moving to other areas of the world like a lot of people are doing right now. People yeah, well, that's to- another thing. We're bringing tons of people in. Many, you know, it's, I don't know how many of them are coming in qualified versus not qualified or whatever, but we're also pushing a lot of people out. I was chatting, I think I mentioned this on a podcast, I was chatting with uh, one of our contractors we use, who had a lot of Polish people working for him. And over the course of, you know, the, the pandemic years, they all went back to Poland and right. permanently because they hated it here. So we're pushing a lot of people out too. Well, they're also taking back home the 300 grand they made on their house oh, and yeah. now live like kings. Oh, many of them retired. Right. You see? Yeah. Uh, That's all I got. Those must be our flooring guys you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Time will tell. All right. Well, uh, this was kind of a general conversation, but if you have uh, if you have some insight or comments on this topic, it's uh, it's one that you're going to hear a lot of in the news over the next twelve to twenty four months. So probably won't be the first and the last time we're talking about this. Bye. Ciao. What do you think? Where do you think all these people are going to live? Leave a comment. Let us know. Thanks for watching.